Coming up on this episode, we ring in the new year with a preview of all of the books that we're looking forward to coming out in January. Welcome to episode 355 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Jeff, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will. Hello, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad that you could join us for another episode of the show and another bright new year. As always, the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. If you'd like more information about the bonus content we offer our patrons, go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Well, we hope that you've all enjoyed our December Big Gay Fiction Book Club discussion of Jay Northcote's fantastic Virgin Meets Bad Boy Holiday Romance, A Boyfriend for Christmas. And now, since it's the beginning of the month, we can reveal the January Big Gay Fiction Book Club selection, and it's another very sexy bad boy and virgin romance. This one is appropriately titled Bad Boy by Emma Alcott. Now, truthfully, I did not mean to choose two books with the exact same trope, one after the other, but since I did, this is obviously a sneak peek into my book-loving subconscious. Bad Boy definitely has a bad boy and has a virgin. It has characters who are snowed in in a mountain cabin on New Year's Eve. One of them is a romance writer. Seriously, it was never really a question of if I was going to choose this book. It was a question of when, and now is the time. Well, I'm so glad you did. I'm getting a good education on bad boys here. I, I had put bad boys into a stereotype that I am finding through these two books was somewhat wrong. So I really enjoyed this dive into the bad boy trope. Members of our Patreon community will get an exclusive sneak peek of this episode starting later this week, and our discussion of Bad Boy by Emma Alcott will become available to everyone in the regular podcast feed on Thursday, January 27th. So yeah, all of you have plenty of time to go out, pick up that book, and then join us for that discussion a little later this month. Would you like to stare into the crystal ball of 2022 and look at some of the books that are coming out in the coming weeks? Absolutely. I've seen your list. There is some really good stuff coming up here. Let's get right into it. Coming out on January 4th is Spin Me Right Round by David Valdez. In this new YA novel, a hit on the head knocks teenage Lewis back in time to 1985. He meets a doomed queer classmate and concocts a plan to give the guy his first real kiss. Lewis is in over his head, trying not to make things worse, and determined to find a way to give his LGBTQ friends the respect they deserve while also not risking his chance to be prom king. So how many of you out there immediately started playing a Dead or Alive song in your head with this title? I certainly did. And what a great title for a book that's headed back into the 80s. This premise sounds so incredible with the little Back to the Future twist, trying to maybe help things in the past a little bit while still getting what you want in the present. Now, I'm really eager here to find out how this is going to play out and how much of this past thing is going to stay in Lewis's head from the bonk, or if any of it turns out to impact the present. I'm so intrigued. I've got the audiobook already, and I'm looking forward to checking this one out. Also coming out in the first week of the new year, on January 7th, is the new title from K.M. Newhold and Mia Monroe called Mountaintopped. And in this one, Bowen didn't think he'd ever manage to fall for anyone other than his straight best friend Hawthorne. But the more time he spends with Aldous, the more he likes him. A drunken admission of his deepest fantasy leads to the three of them sleeping together, and now his best friend and his hookup turned more are bonding over their shared love of mountain climbing. The three of them are exploring, and Bowen has no idea where they'll end up. I've seen this all over my social media in the last week of the year. I think there's a lot of people really eager for this. And who can blame them? KM and Mia and a thruple. How could you possibly say no to that? 
And I love that part of this is friends to lovers, too. I imagine this is going to be a book that's going to be scorchingly hot and have all the feels for it. A sexy start to the new year. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Next up is another co-write coming out on January 11th. This one by Susan Scott Shelley and Chantal Murr. It's called Spark. Mateo's life revolves around working two jobs. His only respite are weekly rugby games with teammates who have become like family. Meeting Finley, his rugby teammate's brother, is a spark of light in his hectic life. Their immediate connection outweighs Finley's hesitation. But when their worlds turn upside down and their doubts are laid bare, can their burgeoning relationship survive the strain and keep the spark alight? I love Sutton and Chantel. I got to work with them on the Bachelor Bit Hockey romance series from a couple years ago. And I have no doubt that them joining forces for a story about a rugby player, and then you combine it with the whole teammate's brother thing, it's just going to be crazy good. I'm definitely looking forward to this collaboration. Another title coming out on January 11th is Shouting Match by Pandora Pine. Detective Fuller goes to a local Italian restaurant where the youngest Lombardi brother insists he knows exactly where to find the man of Fuller's dreams. His overworked older brother, Capone the guy Fuller almost arrested a few hours earlier. When a blizzard sets its sight on the main coast, a shouting match between the new lovers sends Fuller out into the raging storm. Things could be over before they've even begun, if Capone can't find him before it's too late. In the bizarre way that my brain works, this was like reverse forced proximity. Running out into the raging snowstorm instead of huddling up inside the cabin, but that's just, that's just me being weird. There's so many twists and turns right here, being set up with someone who you nearly arrested a few hours ago, and then the whole running away thing because of the fight that happens. Fuller and Capone sound like very fiery individuals, so I have to imagine that bringing them together is no doubt going to be full of sparks of the romantic kind and possibly some other ones too, depending on how all this turns out. Another new title that we can look forward to is Clean Start at 47 by Nora Phoenix. This one is coming out on January 12th. Kinsey is finally living his truth as an out gay man. Benoni, his new personal trainer, is 20 years his junior and happens to be his son's best friend. Their love could be the clean start they both need. In this, a first-time gay, age-gap, hurt-comfort romance that opens the brand new 47 duology. Well, this is Dora Phoenix, so I'm already predisposed to want to pick this up. And I love that she's writing some older protagonists as well. That's something I've talked about a couple times recently. Annabeth Albert did it with The Geek Who Saved Christmas. There's been some other older protagonists out there, and I'm really into reading about characters who are closer to my age. And I'm excited for this duology. You gave so many tropes there, and really age gap has become such a catnip for me. I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does with this. Yes, that new duology starts on January 12th, and coming out just a few days later on the 18th is the new title from Cat Sebastian, The Missing Page. When country Dr. James heads to Cornwall for the reading of a will, his uncle has tasked his heirs with uncovering the truth behind a woman's disappearance 20 years earlier. Leo fears for James's safety, so he does what any sensible semi-retired spy would do and infiltrates the house party. Together, they unravel a mystery that exposes long-standing family secrets and threatens to involve James more than either of them would like. I am so behind on this series and all things Cat Sebastian, but frankly, what you said in the midst of all that about a semi-retired spy infiltrating a house party, that just kind of struck me. So I'm either going to have to go read the whole series or I'm going to pick this one up out of order 
because that particular line just sparked my brain into making this something I want to read. Yeah, I read the first book featuring James and Leo. Gosh, I think it was over a year ago now. Cat Sebastian is a busy author, <laughs> so she's not proceeding at a lightning pace on this particular series, which means you've got plenty of time to catch up. Oh, good. But I really love her particular twist on cozy mystery, and particularly the way that it's set in post-World War II England. There's a really interesting slow burn aspect to these two guys. And when you add mystery solving on top of it all, it's like a win-win. See, now you're just making me want to move the whole series further up my list. So It's good stuff. I Co- promise. Cozy mystery in the midst of winter sounds really delightful. Next up on our list is a new YA story from A.L. Grazia Day. It's called Icebreaker. 17-year-old Mickey is a college freshman whose father and grandfather have gone down in NHL history, which almost guarantees him the league's top draft spot. The only person standing in his way is Jason, Mickey's infuriatingly attractive teammate. When rivalry turns to something more, Mickey will have to decide what he really wants and what he's willing to risk for it. So as you were putting this list together, did you just say, well, here's a book Jeff's going to want to read for sure, because it's got him written all over it. (laughs) Well, I had my suspicions. (laughs) You were certainly right. I mean, two hockey players falling in love is always at the top of my list of things to read. And I've got to check this out to find out how much these young players are willing to give in to love. Icebreaker comes out on the 18th and also coming out on the exact same day is The Best Men, a co-write by Lauren Blakely and Serena Bowen. In this one, it's a tale of merrily wedded mayhem. In this enemies to lovers, opposites attract romance between two best men, one a single dad and the other a cocky former athlete. While sharing a too small guest house in steamy Miami, they decide on a no-strings fling. But what happens after the I do's have been said and neither of them want to leave behind their one true chance at happiness? This book is so amazing. And in fact, I'll be talking about it in a few minutes as I give you a full advanced review of this book. So just hang on for that. Another great new title to look forward to coming out on January 20th is Until His Last Goodbye by Kiki Clark and E.M. Lindsay. Elias is a powerful medium, a conduit between the living and the dead. One day, death comes knocking. Elias has no business falling for an immortal collector of souls, no matter how kind and surprisingly innocent he might be. The reaper's gentle nature soothes the hollow ache in his heart. But there can be no way forward when you fall for death, unless you join him. This is not the usual kind of book I would read. It's a little on the far paranormal side. But yet, the idea of this gentle reaper who is kind, I I don't know. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. And it makes me want to read this book because how do you fall in love with a reaper? Oh, my gosh. It's a pretty powerful, irresistible hook, I got to say. It is. And I know E.M. and Kiki are awesome writers, and they're going to do a great job on this. So, yeah, I'm curious now. And just saying, how do you fall in love with a reaper as my song brain keeps going? There's a certain Kim Carnes, Kenny Rogers song that is very close to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you. So from paranormal to historical, let's talk about what's coming out on January 25th, Something Fabulous by Alexis Hall, who some of you might recall is the best-selling author of Boyfriend Material. This new story is a delightfully witty historical romance featuring a reserved duke who's betrothed to one twin and hopelessly enamored of another. You see, when Valentine proposes to Miss Arabella, she flees into the night. He gives chase with her twin brother by his side. Bonnie is unreasonable, 
overdramatic, and beautiful. Being with him makes Valentine question everything he thought he knew about himself, about love, even about which sibling he should be pursuing. At least he's running with the sibling he should be pursuing instead of going after somebody who ran away from his proposal. I think that's clue number one, perhaps, of who you should be going after. I'm so looking forward to this. I really became a fan of Alexis's really kind of late in the game with boyfriend material. And I definitely want to see the kind of humor that Alexis is going to inject into this book, just knowing how awesome boyfriend material was in terms of its humor and banter. So looking very forward to this one. Another new title headed our way soon is His Fresh Start Cowboy by A.M. Arthur. Hugo's boots haven't touched Texas soil in almost a decade, but he can't resist going back for a job working with his best friend's older brother. Working next to the most dangerously tempting man he's ever known stirs up a deeper passion than either man expects. But by giving into the chemistry without taking a risk and committing to each other and living the lives they've always wanted, Brandon Hugo just might lose their second chance at true love. AM's got their back on that. She'll she'll do right by them. <laughs> I do love AM's cowboy books so much, and it's been way too long since I picked one up. Here you've got second chance, Best Friend's Brother, which are some great tropes. And this is the start of a new series with Woods Ranch. So it's it's going to be a perfect time to get on board with A.M. Arthur again. His Fresh Start Cowboy comes out on January 25th. Also coming out on the same day is Under His Lover's Wing by Mary Farmer. You see, as far as gamekeeper Declan is concerned, animals are much easier to be around than people. I'm feeling you, Declan. Mm-hmm. And he is content to live in isolation on the grounds of Wodehouse Abbey. Until handsome, intriguing Spencer wanders into his life like a wounded animal in need of care. When Declan is accused of a crime he didn't commit, it's up to Spencer to prove him innocent without running the risk of alienating Declan's affections and losing him completely. Hooray for more Mary Farmer. I feel like there's going to be a lot of hurt comfort here as these two guys kind of figure out how to be together, maybe. Yeah. Not to mention getting Declan cleared, which means there might be a little hint of romantic suspense thrown in there as well. This is definitely setting up to be another great installment in the After the War series. And finally, wrapping up our list of fantastic upcoming reads is the newest installment in the Heart to Heart charity anthology, and that is coming out on January 31st. Now, in this latest volume, 14 authors ask what would happen if Heart to Heart, the dating and community app responsible for bringing together couples from all over the world, encouraged people to do something they've never done before. Each of the stories show how funny, hot, and heartwarming it can be when these characters challenge themselves to do something outside of their comfort zones while falling in love along the way. I'm so happy that Heart to Heart is back for a fifth installment, and this particular theme of doing something you've never done before sounds really fun. Now, except for Lucy Lennox, who is providing the opening and closing installments for this edition, we've got a batch of authors here who are all making their Heart to Heart debuts. And that list includes A.M. Arthur, Daryl Banner, Tal Bauer, Essie Harmon, Riley Hart, Kate Hawthorne, E.M. Lindsay, Louisa Masters, Mia Monroe, Jody Payne, Spencer Spears, Kay Webster, Nev Wilder, and Alice Winters. How's that for a lineup? So you're going to want to make sure to get your pre-order in so you don't miss this installment, which like all the others will only be around for about 90 days. And we're going to be having some of these heart-to-heart authors join us in our first February episode. You can look forward to that coming up soon. 
Now, that was a pretty long list of books that we just talked about. If you didn't have a pen and paper handy, or you weren't taking notes on your note app, (laughs) Jeff, tell us, where can they find the complete list of all the books that we just mentioned? Of course, it's right on the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. So in addition to all those amazing upcoming books, you've got some books that you want to talk about that you've been reading lately. I ended 2021 with some amazing books that I'm excited to talk about right now. And I'm going to kick it off with that book that we talked about just a little bit earlier with The Best Men. My expectations ran so high for the combination of Serena Bowen and Lauren Blakely. And I'm happy to say that all those expectations were more than exceeded. This is an incredible romance. It all starts with a drunk text, evolves into some flirty and hot hookups, and it becomes more than either man ever thought possible. Mark and Asher's chemistry is off the charts, and they are an amazing team in everything that they do. And I have to say that I will never look at a spreadsheet the same way again, and I suspect that you won't either after you read this. Now, Mark and Asher are thrown together because they're best men. For Mark, he's his sister's best man, while Asher is the best man for his best friend. The drunk text happens the night before one of the wedding gatherings, where Mark ends up having to make apologies to his sister, the intended recipient of the text where he outlined why her wedding was a mistake, as well as to Asher and the groom who were also on the group text. Oops. When drunk texting, you need to make sure it's not on the group thread. (laughs) It's nice that Mark's trying to look out for his sister, but still, that's a big oops. Now, Mark has to spend three pre-wedding days with Asher in Miami, where the destination wedding is taking place. Mark and Asher have the tasks of making sure everything is set so the day will be perfect. Now, these guys couldn't be more different. Mark is preppy, a Wall Street guy with a mind for math, order, and logic. Asher is a former pro soccer player who, after an injury, spent some time modeling and is now a pro photographer with a knack for schmoozing and not being on time. Mark's life is very structured, and he's got a daughter with his ex. Asher's life is anything but structured. Now, after a flight where the guys antagonize each other in the most delightfully flirty way, they discover quickly that they work well together with the wedding vendors, with Mark being the more matter-of-fact and Asher being the much more diplomatic as they're trying to get some things done in a short time window. This even ratchets up the sexual tension and desire between them as they see how each other work. They're also in somewhat close quarters. While the wedding is taking place in a grand mansion and the bride, groom, and families will stay there, Mark and Asher are relegated to the guest house. And while they do have separate bedrooms, they are still very much in each other's space. Now, thanks to that drunk text and the subsequent banter, Asher knows Mark is kind of into him. And Asher's very good with that. It doesn't take long for them to explore Mark's bisexuality which isn't something that Mark's done very much. From the beginning, their sexual chemistry sizzles, and they fit so well together. As they mess around in different places, they come close to shirking their duties for the wedding a time or two, and oh, about those spreadsheets? Well, you're just going to have to see for yourself where those spreadsheets come into play in all this flirtiness. Not only have Lauren and Serena created two incredible characters, but the way they've brought them together going from antagonism to two men who don't want to be apart but can't figure out how to be together given what their lives look like? For Mark, it's taking care of his daughter, especially since his ex feels like Mark can shoulder more of the co-parenting. 
Meanwhile, Asher's hoping to get word that he's going to get a major European football shoot. It ain't easy, but since this is a romance, and because this is Serena and Lauren we're talking about, you know this is going to turn out so wonderfully. Best of all, all of this is pretty low angst. While there are a couple of moments I wanted them to talk just a little bit more to avoid a hiccup, they get it sorted out. I love the steps and time it took for them to finally decide they were going to have what they wanted. And it was each other. It all felt very organic, because while there could have been ways to seal their future faster, the fact that it did take time made the final grand gestures all the sweeter. I loved, loved, loved everything about The Best Men by Serena Bowen and Lauren Blakely. You need to add it to your TBR and be ready for it when it comes out on January 18th. Now, I'm excited to say that Lauren's actually going to be joining us here on the show in a couple of weeks as the book comes out. So looking forward to bringing you that interview soon. Now, shifting gears from steaming, hot, sexy guy romance over to some YA titles. Uh, I certainly wrapped up 2021 with a couple of amazing YA reads. And I want to start us off with a book that I'd been looking forward to for months. Here's to Us by Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera exceeded every expectation I had and was an incredible sequel to What If It's Us. This is a messy but delightful second chance romance, picking up two summers after Arthur and Ben met in What If It's Us, a book that ended with Arthur and Ben being only friends and not boyfriends. The door was left wide open for a sequel with the last line of that first book being, quote, what if we haven't seen the best of us yet? As I dive into this review, it's going to skate on the edge of spoilery, so keep that in mind as you listen. As Here's to Us opens, Arthur and Ben aren't even talking. Time has drifted them further apart, and even their text chain is left hanging after a birthday message wasn't responded to. Now, the universe works in mysterious ways with these two, and Ben happens to look at Arthur's Instagram for the first time in a very long time at just the right moment to see that Arthur's coming back to New York City for an internship. And if only a reunion could be as easy as Arthur simply being back in the city. Arthur's got a boyfriend, Mikey, who happens to be all over his Instagram with Arthur. Ben also has something going on with Mario. Are they boyfriends? Are they friends? Are they friends with some benefits? Ben's not sure, and it's not completely clear if Mario knows either. Just as in the first book, the universe in fact works its magic to bring the two boys back into each other's orbit. It's amazing how a city as large as New York can also be very much a small world. Arthur and Ben end up running into each other, and so they start talking, and then they run into each other some more, which turns into trying to have hangouts where Ben brings Mario, or Arthur brings Mikey, or both. There's also some alone time for Arthur and Ben, when they really sort of get into the topic of what their feelings are and what they really want, but they also really kind of don't because they don't know how to potentially disrupt the other person's relationship. The result are a mix of sweet and painful, but man, does it all show how much Arthur and Ben are so meant to be together. Separately, they realize it, but they don't know if they should go for it, since there are other people involved. And even if they declared feelings, what about them having decided earlier to not do the long distance thing? Now, I have to admit, I got super emotional in the third part of this book and the epilogue, Becky and Adam created an incredible second chance romance for these two, and the way that they got the boys together, given all the obstacles and challenges, were really magical. Now, I have to share just a little bit of the kick in the pants that Arthur gets as he sorts out if he's going to declare his feelings for Ben or not. 
Arthur's in New York doing a theater internship with a queer director that he is a huge fan of, who, by the way, just happens to be inspired by Jacob Demlow, who was on the podcast back in episode 324 when we were talking about Pride Book Fest. So really cool to kind of see this little cameo character inspiration moment in the book. Anyway, in the third part of the book, Jacob delivers some great advice, which I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit with apologies to Noah Galvin, who narrates this superbly in the audiobook. Jacob says, are you the guy running to the airport to stop him? Are you the protagonist? It's your life. You're always the protagonist. To which Arthur responds, so it's not that simple. I don't just get to declare myself the protagonist because I want to be in his story. Jacob responds to that, sure, you can't control how it's going to play out, of course. And if Ben says no, that's that. But if you want to be in the story, go be in the story. Chase him. Okay, that's just amazing advice. Because shouldn't we all be the protagonists of our own story? There are so many incredible passages just like that one throughout this book. People get hurt through the story, relationship changed, but it's all beautifully, realistically, and perfectly played. A quick nod as well to the incredible cast of characters. Ben's quirky best friend Dylan is back and as fun and goofy as ever. He's got a great storyline of his own that plays out through the book. Jacob and the crew at the theater Arthur's interning at are great, and I really loved how many scenes we got of Arthur working there since I'm a theater geek anyway, so all that backstage stuff was really cool. Ben's friend, maybe boyfriend, Mario is around a lot, and frankly, I really liked him. I thought he was really good for Ben in so many ways. Adam and Becky both write great supporting casts, so it's no wonder that together it's epic how all these characters are put to use to ultimately help the universe get Ben and Arthur back together. And a nod to the audiobook too, Noah Galvin and Foy Gutierrez, who voiced the first book, are back for this one, and they are incredible. I particularly like how Noah captured all the feelings as Arthur tries to work through his feelings for Ben in this book. It was just brilliant. I loved everything about Here's to Us and how Ben and Arthur's story got to continue. Frankly, I'd love to see these guys back again sometime. I have no idea what the story would be, but I would certainly read it. So I highly recommend Here's to Us by Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera. And if you haven't read What If It's Us, pick that book up and get the complete story. I don't think you'll regret it. And one more YA read that I think you should be checking out. There was no way that I could miss out on the boy band romance of If This Gets Out by Sophie Gonzalez and Kale Dietrich. I loved this book, which, again, I've been on a roll here this episode, exceeded all of my expectations that I had for it. The romance between two band members is perfect, but there's more than romance going on here as we get to follow along on a European tour as romance blossoms, while at the same time the entire band is chafing against the rules that they've lived under for a few years. As we begin, we meet the boy band Saturday as they prepare to embark on that European tour. They've been together for a couple of years, being put together by a management company. It's very sync slash Backstreet Boys slash New Kids on the Block. Except this is modern day, where the boys have not only been thrown together, but live life under the microscope that is social media, so they need to craft every single moment. While the guys are adults at 18 years old, they're both micromanaged, but also left alone far too much for their own good. Part of that chafing is that the boys aren't living their authentic lives in any way. They've each been cast into a part within the band that they're all growing unhappy with. Angel, for example, is supposed to be the squeaky clean one, but he's not that person. John is the squeaky clean person, but he's been cast as the sexy one. For Ruben, he's always had to keep his sexuality quiet, 
although he is out to the management team and the band, he's also not allowed to sing to his full potential either. And Zach, well, he just wants everyone to get along, and his neutrality can be a bit much to deal with at times. I really love the way Sophie and Kale handled this romance. There's not really a meet-cute, because Reuben and Zach have been friends and worked together for years, so the extra looks that they give each other, the conversations they have when they end up with alone moments, it's so wonderfully organic as they nudge towards being more than friends. And oh boy, the internal monologues here... Sophie and Kale make full use of the first-person point of view to let us get inside Reuben and Zach's heads, sorting out their feelings for each other, deciding how to proceed since they don't want to mess up their friendship or the band, is a combination of funny, sad, heartbreaking, intense, it's just all the feels. More than once I wanted to tell them to just take a breath and that it would be fine. But moving past the friend line isn't easy. Even after admitting their feelings, it takes a while for it all to sink in and trying to navigate still being on for the band while sorting it all out for them, and sometimes feelings get hurt and second-guessed. Meanwhile, the band is in Europe for the first time and on a short leash. They are scheduled to the hilt with very little time for themselves or sightseeing, but their team also isn't keeping track of some of the parties thrown or the fact that one of the band is taking drugs and headed down a very dangerous path. His friends try to help and keep it stealth, but you can imagine how difficult that is, and frankly the wrong decision to keep it stealth, how bad that is too. I'm not sure if Sophie and Kale researched the ins and outs of being in a band like this, but everything they wrote seems so very possible, especially with management being more invested in the business of the band rather than the people who are in it. Navigating a new romance can be difficult enough, but add everything else going on for Ruben and Zach, it's insane. And compounded, of course, when they're told they can't come out and that they must at all costs keep their relationship a secret from the public. Not only is their management team terrible, frankly, Ruben's mom is an extreme stage mom. I mean, we're talking Mama Rose on steroids here. I disliked her at every turn, but unfortunately, she also rang all too real, just like the rest of the story. This could have easily been a memoir, I feel like, written by Ruben and Zach for all the realness that rolled off the page about the romance and the band situation. Not only did I love the romance and how it moved along, but I might have cheered when the guys collectively realized what was happening to them and what they were allowing to happen. As they snapped out of being automatons and embracing who they were as individuals and the power that they had both together and separately as a band, it was so stunning. The one thing I didn't like about If This Gets Out, I desperately wanted more. Don't get me wrong, I understand why the story ended where it did for both Ruben and Zach's romance as well as the band as a whole. That doesn't matter though, I'm not ready to be done with these guys' stories. I want more of Ruben and Zach's still young romance and to know what becomes of Saturday as they take control more. Hopefully Sophie and Kale will in fact produce more one day about this band. A shout out on the audio as well to narrator Ramon Diocampo. He did an outstanding job capturing each of these guys, and in particular, Ruben and Zach. All their feels came through in Ramon's performance, and I loved it. I'm so glad I read the audio version of this book. So if you love boy bands, and maybe want an inside look at a fictional one, and get an excellent YA romance along the way, or perhaps you actually want to be in it for all of the above, I highly recommend If This Gets Out. 
A quick reminder that this episode's transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read our conversation and reviews for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. The show notes page also has links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. And in those show notes, you'll find links to the audiobooks that are available on Libro.fm, which includes If This Gets Out and Here's to Us. Of course, Libro.fm is the place that when you buy an audiobook, you're also supporting a local bookstore of your choice. Listeners to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast have the opportunity to get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one. For details and to take advantage of that offer, simply go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash LibroFM. That's L-I-B-R-O-F-M. All right, I think that'll do it for now. Coming up next in episode 356, author Gabby Gray is going to be joining us. I loved Gabby's forced proximity romance, Ginger Snapping All the Way, so much so that I asked her to come talk about it with us. We're also going to find out what she's got coming up for readers in 2022. On behalf of Jeff and myself, we want to thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you'll join us again soon for more discussions about the kind of stories that we all love, the big gay fiction kind. Until then, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Production assistance by Tyson Greenan. Original theme music by Daryl Banner. 